Welcome to the Legal Marketing Studio, a podcast devoted to examining successful marketing strategies driving new business development at law firms from the largest international firm to the solo attorney. The podcast is a production of Picture More Business, a corporate photography studio with a core focus on the legal industry. I'm Michael Meyer, the host of the Legal Marketing Studio. In this episode, I'm joined by Robert Weiss, head of Multivision Digital. Robert, thanks so much for coming back on the podcast. You're welcome, Michael. Thank you for inviting me. There's always something interesting to talk about, right? There is. Last time we did... We hope anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Last time you were on, I was in your space, but this time we're doing it remotely. Yes. This is an interesting time for content creation um, because we're in front of the screen so much more, right? We're not seeing people face to face. So it creates a challenge of creating content, but also an increased need for content. Yeah, and I think that's a nice segue into kind of like the overall topic because, you know, we could have very well done this via the phone, right? But we're actually seeing each other, quote unquote, talking to each other. And I think everybody listening has done Zoom calls, you know, up the wazoo over the last seven, eight, nine months. They could have done phone calls, Right. But why are we all now shifting to, to Zoom, which is the, you know, the visual of each other? It's not in person, but we're still seeing each other. You've been talking about the value of video in business development for a long time. Um, yeah. Has your opinion on that changed or how has it shifted because of this new environment that we're in? It hasn't changed at all, but I think it's gotten even more important because kind of what we just said in the very beginning, right? We need to see each other. And while we're all doing more Zoom calls within the uh, nurturing process, getting to know one another, nurturing the lead, answering questions. Well, how do you get to that point where you're actually having a Zoom call with somebody, right? People are not calling you and be like, hey, let's do a Zoom call. It's just not, it's not happening. So you need to have content out there and people are busy and having videos and other visual marketing really communicates not just the what and the how, but the who. And every business will say, well, what makes you different from another company? Oh, it's our people, right? So why not have your people in front of the camera talking about the business? It just makes sense. What are some strategies then for creating content now? It's difficult or more difficult to be in person, um, not impossible. Which is the traditional way that we've created that type of content. So what are some production options that you are seeing and using with your clients? Well, I'll start with, with that, the on location. Um, you can certainly, like us, right? I do video, you do photo. We can certainly go on location. Right. And with today's environment, there's more precautions. We'll talk a little bit about that later. And it is, you know, the most expensive option for a client because we need to go there to their location with our cameras and our equipment and set up. And it's just a matter of time. Uh, there's also the do it yourself. Like our clients can certainly do photo and video themselves. And I think to some extent, it, you know, it checks some boxes. Uh, but most of our clients are professional services companies 
you know, their offices look, you know, buttoned down and, and stellar and their people are, you know, in suits and they look great and their other marketing material looks great. Their photo and video should follow suit. And in today's world, there's the remote option, which from a video standpoint, there are technologies that are built for remote video. We call it remote video capture that allows a client to download an app on, on their end. And then we've got some controls of the device where we can stop and start so we can edit and we can still coach that professional to look and sound great in front of the camera, just like they do every single day of the week. So those are the three options, you know, uh, do it yourself, remote, and then on location. Let's start here with remote capture. I think that was really what we wanted to get at for the most part in this podcast. Um, mm -hmm. The next couple of months are going to be difficult to do on-site shoots. So I think remote capture is an interesting option. And I want, I want you to share how you've used that with your clients, what the options are, what the benefits are, and then some of the challenges. So why don't you talk about the process, right? How does the remote process differ from uh, an on-location shoot? I imagine the pre-production is different. Could you talk about what that looks like in terms of planning and communication? Well, I'll start out with what is the same, and then I'll kind of get into what is what is different in the process a little bit, because it is something that people don't even know about. One of the challenges that we've had is that people are not searching for remote video production. They don't even know it's possible, so they're using Zoom. You know, Zoom is not a video recording solution. It's a video conferencing solution. And we've all been on Zoom calls where audio has gone in and out and, you know, the video is shaky and stuff like that. Um, but what makes it the same as an on-location shoot is, is the professional services of shooting video. I mean, we've showed up and people have their camera vertical. Like, no, let's first start by turning it horizontal, like basic stuff like that. Let's not even get into the, some of the more complicated stuff of, you know, framing and setting up and taking things out of the background and, you know, where the camera goes and like, let's face the windows, not have the windows behind you for natural light. All these like little things that people don't think about makes the video a lot better. And we've got examples that we've shot from New York City to Houston, to Dallas, to Paraguay, to Seattle, uh, to Maryland. And they're all like super quality, good videos because we've done some pre-production. And the pre-production again is done remotely. And it does take a little bit more time on the client side sometimes, but that's you know even more where the professional services comes in to make sure that we're thinking for them. We just did pre-production two days ago for manufacturing company that we're doing a lab tour video because nobody can visit their lab. And they have three distinct labs. They, they make pharmaceuticals that people need to see the lab and all the machines and all this other stuff. And, you know, we spent about two and a half hours just planning and doing pre-production for the shoot. And we're going to probably shoot over two days, a couple hours each day, not to get the person tired. And the, all those like little things that I just talked about are things that, that, you know, the experience of a professional service comes in. The difference is the actual capturing of the content. Instead of super high-end cameras that we use, we're utilizing mobile devices. 
that still shoot good video, sufficient video. Um, the new phones can shoot up to 4K, which is great. So that gives us a lot of good file sizes to, to edit with. And, you know, again, we're still doing takes. We're still making different shots. Sometimes we're coaching on B-roll. And then in the edit, we're putting in motion graphics and putting in charts and graphs and lower thirds to make the video like it would. So the, the professional service and the process of going through video is the same, but the capturing of that is through mobile devices. And the difference between Zoom and, and this, again, this is a video recording solution where the files are recorded natively to the devices. So the worst quality that we could have is the best that the phone would give you just by hitting record, which is pretty darn good. So again, it's independent of like internet where Zoom is heavily reliant on internet speeds. In terms of the planning, do you find that the remote capture requires a greater degree of planning to make sure that you're not putting too much onto the client to make sure that that, however, whatever time period you have with them, that you're maximizing it um, and not as you, you know, you use the word overtaxing. Um, does that planning process change? I, I mean, I would say no, it's not because we can't overtax. Like some of our peers and competitors out there or in early pandemic, like sent kits to clients, right? Like a kit on a cart. And imagine getting like seven pieces of equipment and trying to set that up. Like we don't, we have one. Go get a selfie stick tripod and we'll tell you where to put it, right? It will not be as good as us showing up, but it's highly effective, it's safe, it's cost effective, and it does the job for subject matter expert pieces of content, for customer testimonials, for you know um, human explainer videos, um, things of that nature. It's not your branding video, your practice area marketing video, your corporate overview video. It's not for that. So it does require a little setup, but again, that's where the professional services comes in. And we've been doing this for a year and a half now. We've got a process down now. We know how to work with people and making sure that they have the least amount of effort on their end to get the best results on the back end. You just mentioned that you've been doing this for a year and a half. We're not even quite a year into the pandemic. Did you start the remote capture before the pandemic? And what was yes. the what yeah. was the idea behind it at that point? Well, part of our, um, our, our our shared client base is law firms, and law firms have many many partners, many practice areas. Sometimes. The marketing teams are like located in New York and Chicago and the big major cities, but then these firms have other offices in, in smaller markets or underserved practice areas that's not like corporate real estate or litigation. So how do you create video content cost effectively for those practice areas and for those offices? Well, you could do it remotely because it's more cost effective. and for law firms and for accounting firms. And what we're also finding for almost every business, they need subject matter expert type of content because they, going back to what we said in the beginning, it's people that explain things on Zoom calls, right? A Zoom call is not searchable. People are not gonna find it, 
right? So let's make that more discoverable in digital marketing initiatives. So that's the reason why we, we, we started this, like, I guess a year and a half-ish ago, because remote video capture saves money. It keeps the professional resources in place and it allows video at scale cost effectively. So when you think about a law firm and accounting firm who has all these partners in these remote places, again, it allows them to execute video cost effectively for bio pages, for thought leadership initiatives, blogging, content marketing, LinkedIn profiles, press releases, industry pages, and the like. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, there's there's a huge amount of content that's needed and not all of it has to be that high-end branding video quality. Certainly there's a, a usefulness for video like this, not yeah. only in the situational need that everyone finds themselves in now. Correct, um, and, but it still needs to be quality and professional. You know, again, going back to showing up at a law firm's office, I mean, they have some of the, the nice office spaces I've ever seen, some of these law firms. They're so nice, right? Why? That is the image that they're portraying. So their video should follow suit, you know? Doesn't have to be that super high end, but it still needs to be quality and professional and value, value-based. Sure, and I, I think a lot of that value add of remote versus the DIY mm -hmm. is recognizing how to make sure that the video is hitting all of those points and you're not seeing those flaws um, you know, I'll also say one thing, we're talking a lot about the, the, the equipment, you know, DIY, remote, but, you know, let's not, whoever's listening, let's not forget about the professional services here, you know, uh, why do people use law firms and accounting firms and not LegalZoom and TurboTax? You know, there's a reason, <laughs> you know, why, you know, our accountant is not TurboTax. And that's the skills and the professionalism. And, you know, I think you, you probably will echo this in, in just getting somebody to smile, right? Somebody who's uncomfortable, which is most people being in front of the camera, whether it's a video camera or a, you know, a still photo camera, we need to make sure that they feel good and perform, whether that's in a simple smile or talking about their business. And there's a skill to that. And I know for a fact that one of the things that differentiates us, because we've been told, is the professional services, is our people. Not just me, but my guys, my team of people that make people feel comfortable and then can perform naturally. And that's a huge thing that a lot of people don't think about when they purchase our services. The handful of shoots that I've done through the pandemic, um, I mean, it's more than a handful now, but one of the things that I've missed is having my makeup artist not being able to have a crew with me, right? I mean, it shifts how the shoot goes and having that team that makes it go well. And I went into a shoot just last week, um, probably, you know, the last one that I'll probably do this year. Um, well, how, how do you make a safe on-site photo shoot? Well, that's, that's what I was trying to segue to. What a clean segue we've made. How about that? Ching! It's like we've prepared for this. <laughs> like there was planning and pre-production. Who, who would think? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the things that make a safe set on your end and on my end are are fairly similar. 
I mean, probably to a, a greater degree on your set because you do have a larger crew than I do. I mean, my largest crew has been me and an assistant. And I imagine you're at least adding a sound person to that. But I think it, it comes down to, you know, the situational possibility of it. Does the larger situation allow this to happen? You know, what are the protocols in place at the office and within the team? Again, going back to the, the idea of production and planning and making sure that things are spaced out, making sure that things are, we're engaging a process that's safe. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you have some additional thoughts on that, what, what you're seeing and how you're making these safe shoots happen given your slightly larger crew. Pre-production planning logistics has, has always been important. And I think it just comes down to being even more important, um, especially when you've got you know, people coming in and out. So I think that's, that's really important. Um, and if you only have a certain amount of time with somebody to make sure they're prepared. So again, going back to pre-production, right? If you can have somebody say what they need to say or capture a photo or two, whatever that you need to while they're there within their time, that doesn't skew the schedule and then just back everything else up. So that, that the, the few on-site shoots that we've done over the last nine months, that's, uh, that's been our, our key to success. Yeah, I know that's something that the shoots that I've done you know, we have given a little bit more room in the schedule, just knowing, I mean, again, you've, you're working with the same professional services firms that I am. You know how it is when, you know, a partner or, you know, an executive says, hey, my schedule shifted. I need to come in half an hour early. Yeah. Right. And if you've got people in 10 minute slots, it's going to be difficult to keep that social distancing. So, you know, we've made, you know, larger slots. We've made I've made sure that there's flexibility to accommodate that kind of change and then working with the, the clients to make sure that we minimize that kind of disruption on their end, that they're really making sure people stick to the schedule. And, you know, it's also, I know that I am monitoring my own exposure, you know, for most shoots for at least a week beforehand, I'll quarantine, minimize contact outside my household. You know, I'm maintaining using the, apps that are out there to make sure that I'm not being, you know, uh, exposed anywhere. And if I have been, I'll be notified. I mean, I think it's just a matter of being aware and taking into account. I, th I think it is still possible to do safe on-site shoots or it will be once this surge has abated. I don't think right now it's safe. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I don't think it's going to be safe for another three or four weeks. At, I mean, at mm -hmm. least probably into February. I agree. Yep. Something else, I know one thing that I've, I've tried to sell to clients in the past is an idea of like image libraries. And I know something you've mentioned already in this conversation is capturing B-roll. A lot of our clients have existing materials, um, which on my end means, you know, capturing and producing small libraries of images for sh from shoots that they can use on social media. Um, can you talk a bit about how you're using existing B-roll or existing still assets in the creation of new material, how you're helping clients to uh, reimagine what they already have as something new of the moment and useful now? So to answer that question, we actually have to look at the, the project at hand, right? So in the ideation and the creation of the message for that new project, could be one video or seven videos, does the existing 
assets fit into that messaging, right? And by assets, you're talking about B-roll, stills, perhaps audio, something like that. Correct. Yep. Any, anything charts, graphs from PDFs, you know, year in review stuff, you know, things, things that they have. And if those assets don't exist, then we need to create that or somebody needs to create that. Right. So we always get asked, well, how much is a video going to cost? Well, do we have to create those assets or do you have those assets already to give us? And if we need to create those assets, are they, assets that a graphic designer can do in two hours? Do we need to plan and shoot those assets? Do we need to get stock footage for those assets? Do we need to get stock pictures from those assets? That, that will determine kind of how much a video costs, right? But once the video is done, there's a lot of things that you can do with that going forward from a, from a marketing standpoint. Uh, one of the beautiful things about video is that it, it has a shelf life of three, four years, sometimes even longer. If you think it's a, a case study, case study, like a firm has always done that work. They could use that for seven years, potentially, if it's good quality, right? A bio video, a practice area marketing video is going to last three or four or five years, right? Things won't significantly change in that time. So A, it makes sense to invest um, in a quality product. And then B, you can take that video and repurpose it into social media, to blogging, to bio pages, press releases and, and such and, and sales. So we've got something called a video first strategy that talks about that, how you derive all the content that a content marketer needs you know, to feed the funnel by starting with video. I mean, I'd like to take this into a forward looking way now. I mean, the pandemic is going to be with us for another, what, six to 12 months, probably. So this is going to be useful then. I think even after we're past the pandemic, this idea of remote capture is going to remain useful. The idea of creating assets for long-term use and being forward-looking makes sense. You know, when you do a project, I know something I've always tried to instill in my clients is getting as much content out of mm -hmm. me as they can. Yep, you know, correct. even if they think, right, we're going in to do a headshot, well, let's shoot a, you know, an editorial PR photo also, just in case, right? It's an extra five minutes of my time. You know, you don't have an immediate need for it, but I'm here, let's make something that's useful potentially later. Um, to what extent are you working with your clients with that kind of forward thinking idea of building up a, a library of assets, whether they're video or stills? I would say nine times out of 10, we're suggesting that and helping them to understand the value proposition there, right? Because it will cost them more. It's more time on our end. It's It's nominal, right? The big investment is the pre-production and us showing up with all our cameras and equipment and the half day or day or two that we're going to spend there. But if we can get an extra couple of pieces of content out of that, yeah, it's more, you know, it's another hour spending there. Uh, and then it's a little bit more time editing, but it's nominal percentage wise compared to the overall investment. 
it's called batch producing in our end, right? And, and again, it depends what kind of style of video we're getting, but we've got multiple use cases where we've gone in and, and produced multiple videos. We've done that one recruiting video, for example, that we've shot for three or four days, but we've also carved out derivative videos that are the, the, the value propositions of that organization. They're vignettes that go deeper into like work-life balance, access to management, you know, things that people care about to join that organization. Or it could be thought leadership video series, working with an accounting firm or a law firm, right? We're gonna go in and shoot two partners. Why not spend the rest of the day and shoot five or six partners to get two videos each? You know, it just, again, it will cost the firm more money, but on a per video cost, it will significantly reduce the investment. And when the, you know, think about those videos can be used across multiple digital channels, could be used for three, four, five years. It just makes sense. And I think something that was interesting about that was you were already going to be in there. You were already going to be disrupting the day of whichever employees you were disrupting to bring in stills at the same time to piggyback that still shoot onto the video shoot meant they were going to have no additional disruption, but have that still image library in addition to the video. Correct. And it was lifestyle library. It just wasn't like still shots of people, right? These were like action shots of their environment that they used in their brochures, on their recruiting pages and their social media pages. And, and they're still using it, you know, for the next couple of years. So, yeah, I mean, that that's a great example of a, of a client who, who listened that they understood that recruiting was important to them, that they were going to spend a lot of money anyway, that they needed the assets to visually communicate, which kind of comes back to the very beginning of our podcast is visual marketing, right? Like they could have gotten Shutterstock photos of people working at a bank. No, but they got their people working at their office, right? That showcased their diversity much more effective. And by putting those two shoots together, it made it much more cost effective for them yep. as well. Yep. Um, well, I think that was really the key thing we wanted to get here. Do you have any anything that we've missed that you want to leave listeners with um, about producing content, about using remote capture, or about building sort of a, a forward-looking mindset around, around uh, asset libraries? You touched upon a lot of good stuff. I yeah. think we really did. And whoever's listening to this should walk away with some really, really good notes. And I hope they would listen to it again, right? Because hearing it once, you kind of like, oh yeah, but like the stuff that we're doing is relatively new to most people. And then, you know, once you start creating this, there's a whole workflow issue, at least with video, people don't know what to do with video, right? So there's a whole workflow where it comes from your, your, your marketing communications team to your web team and then your you know, other PR team. And they really need to understand how to create an internal culture change with, with video, which will be a little bit different from every organization, but they need to think about that as well. Great. Well, hopefully we won't have another uh, pandemic, but even for smaller disruptions, for smaller, uh, you know, I think these... I think having access to remote capture, 
building libraries for future uses and being ready, you know, even if it's not that there's a disruption, but you need something in two days. Having the assets on hand will make that possible. Being able mm -hmm. to have somebody do their interview portion remotely may make that possible. I think there's a lot of practical reasons for doing this, not just as a response to the pandemic. Yep, I would agree. And it's, it's cost effective for a lot of the subject matter expert stuff that most businesses need. I know this is, will be an evergreen topic, but nonetheless, I hope you have a wonderful holiday season. I hope you stay safe through the rest of this pandemic. Thank and you, thank you, you again for coming on the podcast to talk about this. Appreciate you asking me again and let it not be the last time. You're welcome anytime. And thank you to our listeners who've joined us for this episode. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast. Wherever you find us, please leave a like or a review. Extended content, including photographs and links, can be found on our website, legalmarketing.studio. Note that there's no .com. It is just legalmarketing.studio. The Legal Marketing Studio is a production of Picture More Business, a full-service corporate photography studio focused on the legal industry, based in Brooklyn, New York, and working with clients nationally. We'd love to explore collaborative opportunities. More information can be found at picturemorebusiness.com. That's all for this episode. Thanks so much for listening.